0: This morning, let's get in the Word this morning. I'm ready to get back in the Word. Last Sunday was weird. Um, I left you with kind of a, I left you kind of on a ledge last Sunday. Uh, I kind of told y'all it was going to be rough, now go home. And, and, and I remember I went back and watched it and I went, man, I kind of dropped them off. I hope they made it through the week. I hope we'll see them next Sunday. And then, then it rains this morning. People are like, see, Pastor said it was going to be rough. Now look, it's raining. Okay. Truth be told is, is that we started a series last week titled Choices. In a season, in in a life that we are all going through right now, how many of you realize that every day you are put in front of making a choice? Here's the crazy part. Choices are not new. They've been here a long time. The problem is, is now we are forced into making choices rather than where we were, where we were lackadaisical in making choices. In life, all of us are faced with choices, especially right now. In a world that seems very chaotic, it seems like we're making choices every day. But a scripture that has been sitting in my chest over the last probably month and a half is this one statement that Joshua tells to the people, and it declares this important choice that you and I, the most important choice that you and I can ever make, not only as believers, but even as sinners. And that's when Joshua tells the people, choose today whom you'll serve. Now, this is not a popular uh, text of Scripture because literally what we look at is when we say, well, if I have to serve him, that means I'm a slave to him. No, that's not what it means. It means if you choose him, then you will serve him because your heart is in him. He didn't say choose today whom you'll be a slave to. He said choose today whom you'll be a servant to. Let me break this down for you. Slavery has no access. Servanthood does. What do you mean by that? Slaves are kept outside. Servants are allowed inside. See, a slavery mentality is a rejection mentality. Servanthood mentality says, I serve at the honor of the one who is ahead of me. And because of that, he has granted me access. Do you understand what happens to you as a believer when you finally start to walk in the access that God grants you? The blessings that show up in your life. And I'm not talking about a new car, or a new house. I'm talking about the promised favor of God that haunts you, that follows you, that grabs you. And it comes at you when you never expected it. Can, can, I, can, I, just, can I just give it to you this way? We, 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 I told you last week I bought a new car. And, and, and it's a nice car. Amen. And, and I'm praising the Lord for my nice car. And, and the funny thing was, was that when we went to go buy the car, no one would give us a loan. God, what are we going to do? We, go, we got to get a new car. We got to figure out how this thing works. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here on a Saturday afternoon, and God told me to go a certain way. He says, I know you didn't think about this, but try this. And I went home, and I, I put the app in, and I went home, and I came here on Sunday and preached the word. And, and I got up on a Monday morning, and I was smacked with an email. Smacked with an email that I was approved well beyond what I thought I was worth. And I ran out of the bathroom. I ran, I ran out of the bathroom. Got to get him in from somebody. I ran out of the bathroom. Some of y'all do your best business in the bathroom, amen. And I'm not talking about that business, amen. But but I ran up and said, babe, babe, babe. She goes, What? I went, they approved us. For what? <laughs> For this. Huh? Yeah, that's God. Here's the truth of it. We had choices to make. I could have settled. For something that would have put us in a position of pain. But God said, hold on. Wait on me. Wait on the Lord. Trust me. I move in my timing. And I'll reward you because you've made the right choice. And I didn't look for the favor. The favor found me because of the right choice. This is the same position Joshua is telling the people. He's saying, listen, choose this day whom you'll serve. Because truth be told, guys, we serve some really dumb masters like Facebook posts, like Instagrams, like everybody has all this, but do they really? Because let me help you with something. I can tell you I have something, but really have nothing. I could make my life look really good, but really it'd be broken. I can make myself look cute with a bunch of filters. I can even make myself look ripped and chiseled with a filter on on, on an app. I can literally, I can go today, download an app, take a picture of my body and go from fat to ripped in 10 seconds. And you go, Pastor, you did it. No, I didn't. I faked it. Because I'm making decisions to be somebody I'm not. Here's where we have to get as believers. And I'm not talking about as people who are outside church. I'm talking to believers in the room this morning. Amen? I'm talking to people who love God. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. There should be all of y'all amen in right now. If you're looking at me, not opening your mouth, something's wrong with you right now. I'm talking to believers in the room. Amen? amen. Okay. So some of y'all still looking at me. I'll get you before the service is over. Praise God. The truth be told is that you have to make a decision. I don't want to make a decision then understand this, if you don't make a decision, hell is going to be very hot. Because if Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve, there is only two ways to go. There is heaven and there is hell. There is no middle ground. There is no hangout spot for those that are quasi in the game. There is those who will enter into heaven and those who will depart from heaven. And you have to make a decision which lifestyle you're going to walk in. But here's the problem in the church today. We like to play the gray area because it requires zero accountability. Because if we commit to the things of God, we have to live in the things of God. If we commit to sin, then we are bound to an eternity in hell. And I know that's not talked about very popularly in the church anymore because hell is now a vacation spot during the summer. It is not a place of gnawing and gnashing of teeth. It is not a place where we go when we don't choose the things of God or we play around with God and play Christian and yet live in sin but lift our hands on Sunday. I'm going to say this to you very strongly. It is a very dangerous place that we can get as believers that can walk into the house of God and ignore the anointing while it's moving and walk out and say, I went to church. No, 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 no. No, you didn't. You existed in a room while church happened around you, while God moved around you, and you ignored it. There is, a, there is a danger in us when we will no longer stand up for righteousness, but will only stand up for what's politically correct. Let me help you with something. Politics did not create the heavens and the earth. Put your political thought process down and pick up your Bible and declare the kingdom of God so that we can march forward as the body of Christ, not the body of political believers. I'm tired of us making decisions. I'm tired of us choosing the lesser of two evils. I'm tired of us making excuses for things that are so contrary to the word of God, but yet calling ourselves believers. Let me say this to you. Be very careful what you choose in the next 60 days. It gets quiet in this Presbyterian church when I say stuff like that. Be very careful. Are the lights flashing on me again? Look, here they go again. The devil's a liar. Be very careful what you choose in the next 60 days, because things are going to shift. But let me let me let me go ahead and put your mind at ease for a second. I've already had this conversation this week. I do not care who is the president. Y'all look at me like I'm stupid right now. Some of y'all pro Trumpers. You're like, oh, my God, there he we went. Here's the Biden guy. And then some of you pro-Biden's like, "Oh, he's, he's he's a trumper. He just he's just saying that." And the sad part is you judge me whether by the color of my skin rather than the content of my heart. When the truth be told is that my heart doesn't align with a political affiliation. It aligns with the book from Genesis to Revelations. And this is where I make my choices. And my Bible says he appoints and he orchestrates. And he's the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. He wrote Genesis and Revelations. He wrote the start and the end. Do you think there's anything that you can do that's going to change his plan, his purpose in the earth? There is nothing you can do. Shh. See, here's the problem. Our choices right now are making us talk louder about the world than we are about the things of God. Yet we come into churches and lift our hands and say, God, you're everything. No, he's not until he comes out of your mouth. I, listen, I said to you last week, those of you that are on Facebook posting godly stuff, I'm liking your stuff. I'm like, I like it. I don't care. It just says God, like it. <laughs> those of you who are like, I ate this. Nope, swipe. I went there to swipe. That's what doesn't like my stuff. No, I'm choosing for me to turn my Facebook into a thing that streamlines the word of God. Because what you like, watch this, watch. This will preach all day long. What you like the most will show up in your feeds. What you like the most will show up in what you look at every day. And what I put in is what I get out. What I invest in is what I, what I take from. And so I'm making sure that what shows up in my world doesn't go contrary to the word that I declare, that I believe, and I walk in each and every day of my life. But here's the problem. You expect me to do it. But when will we do it? When will we be led by the Spirit? When will we make the choices that are bound by the word, not bound by popular opinion? Let me help with something. The church has watered the word down because of popular opinion. You want to know why hell is not preached in the church anymore? Because pastors have made choices not to offend people any longer. They have made choices to be cute and cozy and to let everybody be their friend. Let me help with something. I didn't sign up to be your friend. I signed up to keep you from going to hell. Yes. Now, you might not like that. You might, I don't like a pastor who preaches about hell. Then you won't like a pastor who preaches about heaven either. Because you can't have one without the other. Because they both come with a cost. They both come by a choice. And you have to choose whom you'll serve. For the Bible says you cannot have two masters. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. But Pastor, can't you just preach about the blessings of God? Can't you just preach about how good it's going to be? And and if I just go to church, he's going to give me everything I want. No. Because going to church ain't going to get you what you want. Walking outside of the four walls of these these walls, walking outside of these four walls and declaring who God is, not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, and back in on a Sunday, that kind of stuff will cause the inheritance to come your way. That kind of stuff will cause the promised blessings to show up in your life. That right there will cause the presence of God to show up in your bedroom, not having to wait till Sunday to find it in a church. Somewhere we got to make some choices. Over the last week, this statement has found itself into my house on numerous occasions. And I found it's a great tool to use with your kids when you're trying to convince them of something. Life is about choices. So when your kids don't do what you want, just look them go. Life's about choices. So don't be mad at the consequences that come with it. You made a choice. Don't get mad at your daddy because I, I, I rebuked you or get mad at me because I grounded you or get mad at me because I took something away from you. You made that choice. Here it comes. But, Pastor, that's not love. Come on, work with me for a second. Listen, how many of y'all God has not spiritually butt spanked you? God's never butt spanked you? God's, I'm talking about how many of you has he not? He's never butt Because this, this guy, man, I, my backside, it's missing. Because he's got me more than I care to admit to. Sometimes we, 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 we act like, well, if I, if I serve God, then he's, everything's going to be cute. And it's going to be tiptoed through the tulips. And like I said last week, I'm going to get a, my own sound music like Shaft. No, that's not the way this thing works. God says, listen, this is going to require you to choose. You can, listen, ah, we can no longer play the game. Do you understand what I'm telling you? There are, reason, there are reasons why there are third stringers and first stringers. There's a reason why quarterbacks move throughout the NFL who never play the game. They're just there as a fallback. You wonder know why? Because they're at the game, they're just not in the game. They're at the game, but they don't do the work to be in the game. They're at the game, but they're not willing to play, pay the price and put in the work. They're not willing to be that guy. They'll start drafting off and Uncle, Well, can I do this? Can I do this? I just, I just, want, to, I just want to have a career. I just, want to, I just want God to love me. I just want God to love me. Can I tell you how you get God to love you? Choose. How do you walk in that right relationship? Choose. How do you see God moving in your life? Choose. And here was the crazy part that we got to last week. Last week, I got into the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 58. Let me just read it to you for context. It says this, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Anybody ever said that? Jesus, I'll go wherever you go. God, if you just tell me, I'll do it. Liar. Because the moment he walked into a valley, you're like, I didn't say I'd go to a valley. I said, I go where you go. And Jesus said, but I have to go through the valley. But I don't want to go to the valley. I want to go to the mountaintop. So I'll just wait here until you're done in the valley, and then we can go to the mountaintop. Not realizing that the valley was part of the process to get you to the mountaintop. Not understanding that it was in the valley where you would learn a greater dependency on him rather than a dependency on yourself. See, here's the funny thing. We get mad at valleys. But yet, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He understood that the valley was a part of the process. You might think that our culture and our political perspective and our, our country is in a valley. You're doggone right it's in a valley. But here's what I'm excited about Valleys always precede the mountaintop. You ever looked at a mountain? You ever looked at a mountain? Mountains, they atypically don't just go flat and then go up, there's a little dip right before the mountain goes up. But we don't ever want to talk about that. We just want to be like, look, that God, I made it to the top. But do you understand to make it to the top, you have to climb? God doesn't just translate you to the top. God says, but you go, God, that's straight up. Yep, I know. I do know. But you're going to trust me through the process. And you're going to lean on me rather than lean on you. You're going to rest in me rather than rest in you. You're going to trust me. You're going to turn the news off and read my word and understand that I wrote history before history reported itself on Fox or on CNN or on MSNBC or on ABC. Whatever you watch, it doesn't matter. Whatever newspaper you read, I wrote the future before. You go, how can God have written the future? Don't you see what we're in? He promised us this would happen. He said we would turn on each other. He said we would murder each other. We would become ravenous wolves against each other. And then we would reject the very notion and power of God. And then. And then. Just when you think it can't get worse. Clouds open up. Trumpets sound. And Christ returns. Do you think that we're not in a moment right now? Do you think? Listen, we've been joking around with every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me help you with something. We better get our minds right and make sure that our tongues confess it first because we won't see the harvest if we don't open up our mouths and begin to declare it. But how will we reach those that are lost if it's not what's coming out of us? But beyond what's coming out of you, how is your lifestyle? Because your lifestyle precedes your mouth because how you walk or where you walk determines how you speak see here's the thing we have gotten very ingrained in the ability to say christianese statements to talk biblically y'all you know what I'm talking about we're good at it we don't carry our bibles anymore I'm just going to sit right there for two seconds we don't because we're because we're, we're too mature and we're, we're too smart and we have it all right here Liar? No, you don't. You have some of it there, but you don't have the fullness of it there. But we don't care our Bibles anymore. Shoot, in fact, we honestly don't pray anymore. We pray when all hell's breaking loose. You know, it's amazing to me how many churches right now are praying because of the political and social unrest of our country, but where were they at before the political and social unrest? Where were the calls to midnight prayers before that? Where were the call to prayer times before that? Where were the call to those moments before? Why, why are we a day late and a dollar short in the game? Because we were sitting there riding the high life going, look how good the mountain is. But we forgot that the valley still exists. And then we get to a valley and we go, God, what are we, God, what are you doing? God, you fell, God, where are you at? God's going, stupid, I've been here the whole time. I'm still here. I'm the God of the valley and the God of the mountaintop." But you got to choose where you want to be. But if I choose, Pastor, I'm just going to get there? No, because either one's going to require work. If I choose the valley, I'm going to have to come down. If I choose the mountain, I'm gonna have to go up. At some point, you're going to have to decide which direction you're going to go and be willing to be counted for that choice. Are you counted for that choice? Or will you hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity? I don't. No, you. Pastor, those are for people who are in sin. Uh-uh. Stop it. Those are ones that said, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not declared the word in your name? Have we not laid hands on the sick and seen them recover in your name? And God says, yes, you have. Because my word doesn't return void. But your heart and your condition of your heart has. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. In other words, you were working on your behalf, not mine. Somebody said to me, "How can somebody that falls in the church, that falls as a pastor, God still use them? Because God does not get mocked. God's word does not return void. God will still move, even if the person that is using the word is in sin. Because God is going to touch the hearts of people, even through broken folk." Yeah, right. So when people go, "I don't understand," and this whole minute, no, don't do that. Don't. That. I remember back in the day when when uh, PTL scandal hit. Some of y'all are old enough to know what I'm talking about. Uh, Jim and F- Tammy Faye Baker. And you people be like, oh, God, I've sold all kinds of money in that ministry, and, and I watch that ministry every day, and, oh, God must be mad at me. Uh-uh, God honors you because you didn't give to a person. You gave out of the willingness of your heart to support a ministry that you thought in that moment was righteous. But God will honor that seed. But we, we have these things that we, we ah, it's, it's, it's all jacked up. But he says in here, he says in, in verse 57 through 58, he says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Now watch this because you read that and you go, what the heck does he mean by that? What are you you, you talking about? Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Here's what he was getting at because the message reads it this way. Are you ready to rough it? Because we're not going to stay in the best of ends, you know. We're talking about Jesus who was born in a manger. The king, the Messiah, the one who was to come and deliver his people from sin. The one who would be crucified on an old rugged cross and pay the ultimate price so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Was not born in a palace. Was born and placed in a manger. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, torn pieces of linen. In a food trough. And Jesus says, listen, you see what I do. You see what God uses me to do. But you don't realize the price I have to pay to do these things. Here's what I've seen in the church. Everybody wants to be used. But no one's willing to commit to the price that is required to be used by him. Do you understand that a vessel that he chooses has to be willing to crawl up on the potter's wheel and let the potter work out the kinks?" and break, fix the cracks so that you don't die in the process of the kiln. You have to be willing to allow him to work out the bubbles. you got to be willing to let him see the innermost brokenness of what you and who you are. You have to be willing to step into that place. The problem is we, we all come to church now going, I'm good. Can I just say this to you as your pastor? Every week, I'm not good. Every week, I go before God. God, whatever's in this vessel, get it out. Whatever you need to work on, get it out. I'll give you just a, a case in point. Uh, a, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, my daughter was in the kitchen. And I don't know if you have this in your kids, but mine are growing up. And so they're, they're getting a little more um, vocal. And, um, and, and I had told my daughter to do something. And I got, instead of a yes, sir, I got back talk. Can I get a amen from somebody? And it wasn't like a snotty back talk. It was just kind of like a response. And I was like, how about a yes, sir? And, and it kind of frustrated me a little bit, and then we were making the plates, and I don't know if your kids do this, but it doesn't matter what you cook, they don't like it. Any yeah, of your kids do that? See, when I was growing up, what was on the plate is what you ate. And if you ate anything, if you want anything else, that plate was going to be put on the counter, and when you were hungry again later, you can go warm your plate back up, Jack, because that's what you're eating. You didn't get to choose, even when they put Brussels sprouts on the table. <laughs> Gross. Pastor, you haven't had my Brussels sprouts. I don't care how you make your Brussels sprouts. I'm not eating them. Leave them alone. Okay. But, but but if it was on the table, you ate it, right? Come on, work with me for a second. My grandma used to take we used to get spinach. Y'all ate spinach when you were a kid? That was back when the Popeye can was popular and did and, and right on the plate. It stunk, it was gross, but we ate it. Amen. And, and if you didn't eat it, Mama would put it on the table and wait till you were hungry again. And like, can I have more food? Can I have dessert? Do you need to finish your spinach? But I don't want my spinach. Or you're gonna eat your spinach, right? There's this, there's this thing in us where we have a tendency to argue with what's being handed to us. So we handed the plate to my daughter, and my daughter goes, well, what else is going on the plate? Say what? And I responded with this statement, sit down and eat your food. So she goes and sits down, and all of a sudden... Uh, My tip goes, Babe, she's crying. I'm like, All right, fine. Hope, come here. We go to the bedroom, and I'm like, What? And this is what she tells me. Now, watch, watch how this happens. She looks me in the face. I said, What is the deal? Why are you crying? She goes, You didn't even let me finish what I was trying to say before you answered for me. And as I'm sitting in that moment, parents work with me. I'm right, you're wrong. That's how we treat our kids. I'm right, you're wrong. And she's telling me, Dad, all I was wondering is if I was missing something. But because I was frustrated from the moment before that, I carried it into the moment next to it. And I shut her down. And so she looks at me, and says, I was just, and before I could say anything, because everything went, but if you wouldn't have done this, I would. I looked and I said, you know what, you're right. And I'm sorry. I could have chosen to be the righteous dad. That means me being right for the most parents that I'm righteous means I'm right. (laughs) But in that moment, I had to hear her heart and grab a hold of where she was at. I got you. And for that, I'm wrong. And I need you to forgive me because I shouldn't have shut you down. You have a voice and you have a right to have a voice with me as long as it's done in love and respect. She said, yes, sir. And we finished and we hugged it out. I loved on her. And then we went on about our way. And then we had another issue a couple days ago. This is part of life, but it's part of choices. I know I'm rearing children. Amen. Can I get an amen? You're just going to just deal with some junk. Amen. Just it's Listen, for all you got little ones, buckle up, buttercup, because it's coming. Amen. And Everybody keeps telling me, wait till yours are teenagers. I'm like, I've already started with one, and I got one that thinks she's one. Amen. So we're working on it already. Y'all think this is going to be easy? Come on, work with me for a second. Has anybody ever asked you who you are or what you're about, and you questioned whether or not to really jump out there and declare who you were? Okay, sidebar. When I first started pastoring, I didn't want to tell all my friends from high school that I was a pastor because I knew it wasn't going to win me cool points. So when that first person came and asked me what I did for a living, you know what I told them? I have my own business. I got like 10 feet away before God was like, go ahead, keep playing that game, see what happens. God kept putting me in front of this guy, kept putting me in front of this guy. Scott Lloyd was like my best friend in high school. Here's the crazy part. This is how God works, okay? This is the guy I told when I first got into ministry and I didn't tell him what I did. And then word got out somehow with all my high school friends, which aren't really friends because I don't really talk to them. Amen. I don't know why we call them friends because they have no friendship with us. They just stalk us. Amen. Um, but but I, I, I had this one guy that, I mean, he was my right. This was my guy, right? This was my friend. And, and, and I had seen him a couple of times. So now we grew up in Fort Walton Beach together. I moved all over the place, ended up back here. He ended up at the Coast Guard station in, what was that, Belchase? The Coast Guard station. He gets stationed out here. I go to a Saints game. Saints game. Y'all listen to me. I go to a Saints game. Thousands upon thousands of people. I go to my seat in the 300 section. I climb up into my seat and I turn around. Who is sitting directly behind me? None other than my best friend, Scott Lloyd. And I hear this sound. You going to tell him now? Dang it. So he comes and he sits down on the steps. You all know the steps at the dome? They're like, yonk. Okay. And, and if you fall down them, it's not a pretty sight. Um, sidebar, I watched a guy get tased in the 600 section one game and just went bouncing down the stairs. It was pretty, pretty epic from the 300 section. But anyway, okay. sidebar. Uh, so we're sitting there and, and he sits down beside me and, and I asked him, I said, bro, what are you up to? And he's like, man, I'm at the Coast Guard station. This is my fiance. I'm getting ready to get married. That's awesome. Great, man. He's like, and he looks at me, he goes, so you still pastoring? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still pastoring. He's like, really, man, that's awesome. He's like, man, I, I, man I, 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 I need to get back in church. I need to get back in things of God. See, here's the thing. One choice postponed 14 years of an opportunity to tell him about God. One choice. It's not an easy decision, but it's a decision that will not change you, but change the ones around you. Stop getting mad because it's tight. Your sin was tight too, but you didn't argue then. But the moment you chose righteousness, what you thought it was going to be easy? Do you think the enemy is not trying to take you out? Do you think he wants you to make that decision? No, embrace it. Suck it up. It's going to be tight. But understand that God has already overcome death, hell, and the grave. You're going to get through this. It's not about living in the grandest of palaces. It's about you willing to pay the price to sacrifice this so that you can get that. And he goes on in verse 59. Here it comes. This is the second part for today. In verse 59, he said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. I love Jesus. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Let me break it down a little bit more for you. The Message virgin says, says this. He said, Certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus refused first things first. Your business is life, not death. That one hits. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. But let me break this piece of scripture down for you for just a moment. In verse 59, at the very beginning, he said to another person, come, follow me. Now, this is a hard one because most of us don't want to follow. We want to lead. But let me make this statement. Every great leader follows. Hmm. Every pastor should have a pastor. No pastor should be unto his own island. He should have somebody that's over him, that leads and guides, that gives him wisdom. There's a danger when a child is fatherless. Oh, I'm work with you all for a second. We had, this is one of the most the biggest pandemic or epidemic we deal with in our country is fatherlessness. People who are being raised. Well, I don't need a dad. I don't let me help you with something. We need parents. I wish more fathers would step up to the plate. Your marriage might not have worked, but be a good father. Don't quit because the marriage fell apart. You still got kids who need you. Step up. Stop making mm, this is not in my notes. Stop making women stand up. The Bible says that the man is the priest and king of his home. The priest and the king. Why is it that we have this ability to go procreate but not be accountable to raise what we created? Why is it that it's easy to play the game rather than it is to be held accountable to finish the race? Choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. But he says to me, he says, come, follow me. The word follow is defined as this, to go or come after, to move behind in the same direction, to go or come after. How many of y'all want to come in second? That's what I thought. But the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. But yet culture tells you to win. Culture tells you to come in first. The problem is we're trying to beat God to the finish line. We're racing against, in a race that he created, and we're telling God, I need to finish first. And God says, I need to finish first. You're there with me, but you need to let me cross first. Because if I win, you win. But there's a problem with that. Because I have been cultured never to come in second. We were taught this from kids. You don't lose the game. If you lose the game, you failed. No, can I tell you something? I think losing is healthy. Because losing teaches you humility. Losing makes you understand what the game's value really is about. I get tired. This stupid stuff we do today in the culture where we go, we'll give an honorable mention. Everybody gets a trophy. No, if you lose, you don't get a trophy. You go home with your head held down going, I better do better next year. Not, look, mom, I got a trophy. You know what that trophy says? I didn't play the game good. I just half behind it all the way through. I just, I just showed up. That's all I did. I wasn't. No, what it says is, it says, it says, listen, it's either going to make you step up or step out. But we want the trophy now. We want to make it look like, look, look at all my wall of trophies. Y'all remember back in the day, we had a thing called field day at school when I was a kid. Anybody had a field day? Anybody had a field day? Field day was like all kinds of stupid games you played all day long. Like egg toss and run with an egg or kickball or whatever. And you had all these teams. And, and at the end of the day, you wanted what? What did you want? You won that first place ribbon, man. What color was that? Was it usually red? Was it red? Red was the first place ribbon. Blue was the second place. Like and green was like third place. And then whatever was honorable mention. White. That was what it was. White was like the honorable mention. Ooh, yeah. Like, it's just dumb. And, and, and when they're handing out the ribbons and you're like standing there and you're like, they're like, here, honorable mention. I'm not taking that home. I can't remember how many times I had to get on the bus, and by the time I get home, all those honorable mention ribbons were like laying on the floor of the bus because nobody cared. They're like, I'm not showing this to my mama. I'm not showing this to my dad. I'm not doing it. And they asked me how it went, it was good. We did good. We just did good. That's all we did. We did good. But we're not going to talk about it. But we've created this space where now it's okay if we don't make it. Watch this. If the trumpet sounds now, Don't think because you sit in the church that you'll finish with the church. If the trumpet sounds now and the Bible says that he will judge you for the content of your heart. Not your doings, not your works. Pastor, God, I served at my church. Yeah, but you left Sunday and went home and sinned. And you willfully sinned. It wasn't like, oops, I made a mistake. Let me get my life right. It was a choice. And you kept doing it. And although I kept calling you by name and kept giving you moments of grace and mercy, you kept choosing a lifestyle of sin. And you kept choosing a lifestyle of sin. And you kept choosing. You kept making choice after choice after choice. When you thought the trumpet would sound, did you think that was the moment that you started acting right? Because let me help you with something. When the trumpet sounds, you will see a lot of believers fall to their knees and beg for mercy. And you'll go, I never saw that one doing that. But we've become this culture where it just ignores the space. And, and we don't ever check ourselves. When we get up in the morning, do we ask ourselves, if the day ends today, am I, am I going into eternity? Or is, or is my life not God? Get it out. Whatever it is, God, take it out. You have a God consciousness. I'm talking to believers in the room. You have a God consciousness. You know God is alive and well. You're not questioning the thought of whether he's alive and well. You might just be questioning your own behavior. And you're not dealing with where you are. You're trying to be where he is. There's a thing called the Tower of Babel when people tried to be where God was and God broke that sucker down and caused it to fall. Be careful. It's okay if he's first. And you're second. Stop trying to overtake him. Let him lead. He said, Come, follow me to go or come after, move behind in the same direction. Stop following him and telling him to go right or telling him to go left. Just follow him. But God, I don't like where you're going. Shut up. You can't see what I can see because here's the truth if I'm following somebody, he's the one who sees. I'm the one who watches. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me. Okay, you move. Okay, I'll move. Okay, good. I got you. I got God. Why? I don't know where you're going. Here's the great part if you focus on Him, you'll stop focusing on what you want to see or what you want to create. He said, Come, follow me. And it goes on in verse 59 it said, The man agreed, but. He said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. There are two pieces in this scripture I think we overlooked. And the first one I want to get to is what he said. It says, the man agreed, but. Now, you all know that the word but buries everything that was said prior. It's like you going to your spouse going, hey, babe, I love you, but. What you should have said is, I don't like you, I don't love you, and this is Why? Because if you say, I love you, and you follow it with a but, what you're about to do is destroy the love you just dropped off. And just annihilate it with your opinions. So why don't you just get out your frustrations first, and then follow it with an I love you. It's like this, if, if Tiffany's doing something to me and I don't like it, baby, I don't like this, but I love you. Because what it says is, I might not like where you are, but it doesn't change where I am with you, because I still Love you, right? Okay, but, but he says, he says, the man agreed, but, listen, we have a tendency to amen and agree in the church. Amen and agree with a good word. But to obey and adhere to it is something completely different. Yes. The church has been conditioned. Oh, Pastor, that's a good word. Pastor, amen, preach. That's a good word. When, when you do that, I get excited because it makes me feel better about what I'm doing. When y'all talk back to me, I tell y'all all, this time, all the time, this is like responsive church. This is not like sit quietly. We're not Catholic. Amen. There's no kneeling bench in front of you. Praise God. We're we're just, we're here in the church. And when you hear a good word and something touches you, man, amen, that's a good word. I can, that makes me feel good about what I'm writing. Amen. But at the end of the day, you can't amen and not apply. Mm. But unfortunately, we've become good at amening without application. Pastor, that's a great, pastor, that word touched me. But I'm going to go right back to my sin when I leave here today. Pastor, that was a great word. Pastor, that was, Pastor, I know I'm supposed to change. Pastor, I know God's going to do something great in my life, but I'm not ready to sacrifice that yet. I know I'm not supposed to worship the golden calf, but I've shined that thing up real nice and it looks really good in my living room or my garage. I like what I like. The man agreed, but stop amening if you have no reason or no desire to apply. Stop reading, hmm, stop reading if you have no desire to apply. Stop praying if you have no desire to hear rather than just be heard. See here, let me just be honest with you, a lot of times today in us as believers, we pray and we whine more than we listen. A pastor said to me years ago, he said, for the amount of time that you pray, you should take the same amount of time equal to or greater to to listen. So if you go to your prayer closet and pray for an hour, you need to shut up and sit down and listen for an hour. Because God needs an hour to return back all the junk you just dumped in his lap. But what we do is we go, God, here's my junk, fix it. Oh, you don't care, I'm going to do it myself. Do we not do that? Because God doesn't move as quickly as we dumped. And God says, listen, I need to cipher through all of that foolishness that you jumped on me and get to the root of where you're really struggling and get to the heart of an issue and deal with the roots so that we can find healing, so that you don't have to ever come back here again. Let me tell you why we keep going back to the same old junk, keep returning back to the same old sins, is because we really didn't give God the opportunity to destroy it. We laid it down, and when he didn't swipe it as fast as we wanted to, we went back and picked it back up. I guess you don't want to deal with it. I'll deal with it myself. Or we come back the next Sunday looking to see if it's still at the altar. I've missed you. Where did you go? We've got to get to a point where we understand and agree to what God is saying for us to do. Are you obedient to this? No, Pastor, I'm obedient to church attendance. When you say lift our hands, I lift my hands, Pastor. That's obedience. Look at me, I'm being obedient. You can lift your hands all day long, but it means nothing. Because you're doing what I said rather than the Spirit of God causing you to raise holy hands unto the Lord. This is, this, is, this is a response to God. This is not a demand from the, from the pastor. The man agreed, but. Pastor, I agree with you. Hell's a real place. Then why do you, we keep dabbling with it? Pastor, I agree with you. If I'm in sin, I'm going to hell. I agree with you. Then why are you still in sin? If you know that that's the promise, if you know that's what's going to happen, how can a God who loves me allow me to go to hell? He doesn't allow you. You chose it. I love when people go, Pastor, I don't understand what God who loves somebody and loves his people so much would allow people to die and go to hell. Because you chose sin. And he said in his word, those who choose sin will be separated from God. See, this is so unpopular preaching. The church hates when you do this now. Don't, don't talk about hell. Don't do it. Don't tell me I'm going. To... Why? Because you just want to hear about heaven? You want to hear about the nice car you want to drive when you won't drive the jalopy you have. And the Bible says, when you're grateful for what I've blessed you with, then I'll reward you. Right. See, here's the, here's the problem. See, and, and then we don't even really care about heaven anymore. We just kind of go, well, I hope I make it. You ever heard somebody say that? I love when people tell me that. Oh, you know, I, I do good and I try. Hope I make it. Here I am. Hope I get there. And, you know, if I don't, it's okay, you know. What then? If you don't, what then? What are your alternatives? What are your options? Work with me, believers. Help me for a second. If it's not heaven, what is your alternative? And all the room went, oh, God, hell. Oh, it's at hell. Oh, no, hell. Yes. But the only reason we know that is because that's what this Bible says. But unfortunately, over the years, we've tried to rewrite Scripture to appease our sinful nature rather than change our lives to appease the Scripture. Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Seek righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. But we don't. No, no. God, here it goes, here it goes. Ready, right here it comes. But but God knows the content of my heart. He knows this, He knows my heart. And He says, Your heart defiantly wicked. (laughs) That's what your Bible says. I don't know if y'all realize that yet, but your heart is wicked. (gasps) No, not my heart, Pastor. I came out of the womb saved. I've seen Jesus. I know what the angels look like, and I know. You can have encounters and still walk away from God. Just ask David. Be careful that you don't become so spiritually grown That you forget to be like a child and be humble. Be careful that you don't over supersede God's authority and his fatherhood in your existence. Make a choice. Choose whom you're going to serve. He says, the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Can I just ask you this question? Why is it that we're more committed to the things we cannot change than the things that God wants to change in us? Hmm if I just had one more day, if I just had one more week, if I just had one more, I could fix it. I could, no, you can't. It's dead. Flatlined, it's done. Shut up and leave it alone. Let the dead things die. I think it was about a year or two ago, I preached a message called Let the Dead Things Die, and I had a coffin in the room. Yeah, I got a full-blown coffin put in the room. And in the process of me preaching, I started throwing things in the coffin, things like things that we hold on to, this was the crazy part to me in that whole sermon is not what the sermon was, was that when, we, when the coffin, I had them take the coffin out of the room. People followed the coffin. Like, where are you taking my stuff? Why are you taking my problems? And my, because you had to make a decision whether you were going to follow the hearse to the graveyard and climb in the hole with it or you're just going to let it get buried and let it die. God did not come so that you could keep visiting dead burial sites. He came so that the dead things could die so that you might have life and life more abundantly in him. But you have to choose. Are you going to keep visiting the coffin and the burial site or are you going to choose to walk the life that he's laid in front of you? It's like this. I've told my wife, "Listen, when I die, when I die, please do not put a coffin up here, leave the casket open, and let everybody come look at me. That ain't me. I'm not there. That's just a carcass. Let me close close the box. In fact, I don't care what you do. Just don't put me in a room. Have a church service. Win the loss. Let's do that. Yeah. So just don't do it. And everybody wears black. Everybody wears white. Why? Because this is not a mourning. Please don't come to my grave. Oh God, it's oh, so dead. Oh God, please celebrate. I am in heaven, going woo. This is crazy." Everything I've been waiting for and thinking about and praying about, it's real. Woo! I'm not in heaven going, I wish I was there. I'm like, y'all need to hurry up and get up here. It's cool. <laughs> I'll be waiting. Yep. Whatever it is, like, this is what I'm saying, is it? And then and everybody wants to go to a site and then we want to remember them. Don't, don't remember where I am, remember what I've done. Yeah. Oh. Here's the problem we want to remember Jesus still in the tomb. We forgot he rose. We we forgot he got up 3 days later and left the death and went to the right hand of the father. We forget those pieces because we just are caught up in culture and moments. The man agreed he said but first let me return home and bury my father. We're committed to things that are dying more than what is living. Maybe it's because we're spending too much time reminiscing about what could have been rather than what's rather than looking who is looking to who is and who is yet to come. We're spending so much time. Why? Why me? Blah. blah. Hey, come on, work with me for a second. You don't know, Pastor. I was abused as a kid. And I him blah, 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 blah. God's going, did I deliver you and set you free? Or are you just bound to foolishness? If I came in and old things are passed away and all things have become new, why do you keep calling yourself who you used to be? Why won't you call yourself who I called you to be? Why won't you speak life in this moment and stop speaking? But pastor, you don't know it. You don't care. Bingo. Why don't you care? Because. I'm, I'm on the other side of it. You want to you trade stories? You want to trade stories? My dad left before I was born. My mom raised me and my brother in, the, in, in New Orleans East in a duplex. My mama worked two jobs just to fend for me and my brother. We, we suffered. We lived on government cheese and peanut butter. All I got was hand-me-downs growing up. From somebody else to my brother to me. That's the way life was. I'm not complaining. Then my mom remarried an alcoholic in the military. Who likes to physically and verbally abuse. I was so jacked up that I found myself doing ignorant stuff that put my butt in jail. Not once, not twice, not three times, four times. Oh, well, pastor. Okay, time out. So I have rejection and abandonment and a father that abused me. Yet I haven't done any of those to my own children. Why? Because I've rejected who I was going to become. To find out who I could become in him. I rejected the fatherlessness, and I found a father who would never leave me nor forsake me, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I found out that, that men will fail you, but God never will, and I cling to the hem of his garment. I cling to his hand. I say, God, lead me, direct me, and when I don't do it right, when I'm not saying the right things, let my daughter tell me so that I can hear your voice and say, you know what, baby girl? You're right. Come on. Let me be a better father than my daddies were. Let me walk into this thing the right way. Let me choose to make this better. Let me be a good husband to my wife, because I didn't see a good husband growing up. I saw an abuser. I saw a person who ran away, chose narcotics and alcohol and chose to steal everything. I saw a man who beat my mama, pushed my mama, threw her down, but I've not done that to her. Why? Because I have an opportunity to choose something better because I am not who the enemy wanted me to become. I am everything who God purposed me to be. I am not that dead creature dying. I am alive and well and living in the fullness of God when my heart started to act funky and the enemy wanted to tell me, you're going to die within three years. I had to step up and go, no. Because most of us go, okay. I said, no, I'm not doing it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. In the very beginning, I didn't do that. In the very beginning, I found myself on a couch ready to die. Then I had to shake, shake something. Like a dummy, I had a conversation with my son of what life would be like without me. And then I got checked real quick. And God says, did you tell him what life would be with you? Because we are so quick to choose hurt than we are to declare life. He goes on in verse 60, and this is where I'm almost done. Pastor Benjamin, come on. It says, But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom. Here it comes. Woo-hoo, don't go back. Don't go to it yet. Don't go to it yet. Don't jump me yet. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own. Oh, Jesus. In other words, if I keep running back to the dead things, I'm probably spiritually dead anyway. If I want to keep running backwards, then I'm refusing to run forwards. Therefore, I am not open to the spirit and what he wants to do in me for the future. I am bound to where I put myself in my past. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Okay, so watch. I can tell you my story, right? I can tell you what I've been through. I can tell you all the struggles I've had. And, and we talk about it all the time. I, I like to tell my story. Do you want to know why? Because there's a handful of you in this room that have been in the same boat. Somebody says, well, Pastor, we've already heard the story, but there's one in the room that hasn't yet. And the Bible says we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimonies. In other words, a testimony is once you've come through a test, you get to declare how good God was in the middle of it. I thank God for the tests. And I thank God I wasn't stupid enough to make the wrong decisions. Although I did sometimes. But it didn't pay out in the end for me to be broken and busted and disgusted. That God's grace and mercy was enough. They were new every morning. As long as I'd come before him and choose him, He goes on in the message verse and it says, Jesus replied, First things first, your business is life. Some of you need to hear that today. Your business is life. Your business is life, not death. And I'm going to say this to you as your pastor, and life is urgent. All lives are urgent, everybody is urgent. If we would all put an urgency on life, not an urgency on wants, not an urgency on opinions, not an urgency on desires, but pastor, it's never going to happen. See, now you've already spoke death. Find your life. Doctor gives you a bad report. I'm going to die. Nope, you chose death. You didn't choose life. Your marriage is going through a struggle. It's never going to work. Nope, you chose death, not life. Your kids are run far away from God. They're never going to come. They're never going to get saved. No. Stop it. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Don't let your heart become defiled with death talk. Let life spring up out of you. We we have this thing in our house. We we we're very cautious with words. Pastor, don't be over religious. Don't be hyper. No, we're cautious with words. Like one of the words we don't we're not allowed to use in our house is you're crazy. Because that speak, speaks to a mental condition. We choose to speak life. If what God formed was spoken, and the same God that spoke the atmosphere and the planets into existence now dwells in you, what do you think your mouth has the power to do? Please be careful. I'm not talking about you can go to a dealership and speak a Bentley into your life. That's stupid. As I'm going to a dealership tomorrow. I'm calling that car. Hey, you you, no. That name it, claim it foolishness is so dumb. You know, I was, I was real quick. I, I, I love, I've got about five preachers I listen to on a consistent basis. And um, one of the guys that I love to listen to a lot of times, and I've been listening to since I was very young, is Bishop T.D. Jakes. And Bishop got on the TV and he was talking about, he said, you know, the church was always great about telling it to have faith and trust God. He said the church was great about telling us all these great things that were to come, but they never taught us about the struggle. He said somewhere along the line, we stopped teaching that the struggle was real. And we try to overlook the struggle. Just trust God, but we got to talk about the struggle. And he goes on this, and this message was just, I, I, was, I was writing notes and all kinds of stuff, but, but that statement to me was so strong because I, I grew up in the church where we, all we heard was about the blessings, and the promises and this and that. And then we get into life and we wonder where they are. God, where did you go? And God says, the promised blessings are on the other side of the struggle. But you averted the struggle to get to the blessing. And I need you to track back and go through the struggle so I can teach you so that you understand the value of the blessing. So you understand where I am in the middle of it. You cannot understand his promises if you're not willing to walk through For some of you in this room that are going through things right now, and you're going, God, where are you on the other side of this? God's going, just keep moving. Trust me, follow me. Understand it's not going to be easy, but I got you through this. I've got you. Stop whining. You ever been around somebody that whines and complains all the time? It drives me nuts. Last night we were in the car, come back home, and everything was wrong with love. Everything. I mean, if the iPhone wasn't working, or she was tired, or she was tired of sitting, or she, we were just driving from Baton Rouge back. Like, dear Lord, a girl, it's an hour drive, hour and 20 minute drive. You're not going to die. You're not driving. You can just chill. I wish somebody'd drive me around. Here, love, you want to drive? No, I'm just kidding. But at the end of the day, we, we spend more time complaining. Can I ask you this question? What do you have? See, this is, where it, this is where it hurts. Because we have become very good at communicating what's missing than we communicate what we've been blessed with. I thank God for the 10 years of the Ford Expedition and the thousands of dollars we put into that stupid thing. Huh, Sean? Sean's like, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. That's my mechanic, just in case you want Amen. But can I be honest with you? Watch this. Watch. See, you see a car with a lot of miles on it. But I see a car that brought me two of the greatest blessings to this house. See, why? watch, And now serving our kids' ministry and do a crazy job and the kids love. It. Like, what I'm saying is, is that it, it, you could see a car. I could see an inheritance. You could see a car. I can see the blessing. Okay, watch, 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 watch. I had no intentions of moving to Louisiana when I was younger. But yet God kept calling, having no idea that I'd be standing on this platform today with you sitting in this room listening to me, a guy who's not supposed to be up here talking, a guy who's supposed to be broken, busted, in prison, or dead somewhere. But yet you sit in this room listening and ready to live your life, not for pastor, but for the things of God. I thank God for that. All the hell I went through, all the struggles I went through, all the pain I went through, all the abandonment, rejection. Yes, thank God. I can either worship him in the middle of it or I can die in the middle of it. I'm going to let this mouthpiece declare life. And I'm going to leave dead things behind me. Choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. Now is the time to allow our mouths to match the God that we serve. No declaration of death, only declarations of life. Everybody stand to your feet. Here is my prayer. That even while you're standing right now, you are weighing out the goodness of God in your life. Because the scripture says, we shall see the hand of God in the land of the living. So many people are like, what does that mean? God's going to do something? No, God's already doing something. It's just a matter of whether or not you're looking for it. How can you say that, Pastor? Have you seen what the news says? Yeah, but I know what my word declared long before the news ever got its source. I know what my Bible declares more than what the news pundits declare. Well, this is going to be the this is going to be the darkest, coldest winter ever. Not in Louisiana. It's going to be the warmest, muggiest, bunch of foolishness. It's going to be the worst. No, it's not. Because I believe that a 1,000 may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I am the righteousness of my God, and I hold on to the word that says that I shall be made whole. See, see this is the difference. See, when you start acting like this, the world goes, you're a nut. Yes, you're right. I am. That's exactly who I am. Because I used to listen to the world. And the world wound me up into places that I didn't need to be. But when I chose God, he kept marking places that I needed to walk away from. Brian, don't go there. Brian, if you go there, I can't stop you. But if you, don't, if you go there, it's going to mess you up. Sometimes we go, but God, I got this. God goes, okay, it's your choice. I'll see you on the other side of it because you'll come to a point where you realize I'm your source and you're not. Choices. When will we choose God over everything, not over some things? When will we make him our reason, not just our blessing? Why do you live and have your being? Why is there breath in your body this morning? Why did you come here today? I hope. I hope we're not checking boxes and going, look, I went to church today. It was really good. But that we came with a purpose and an urgency because we need God to do something in us so that we can leave this place and tell others. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. The biggest choice you'll ever make. So without every head bowed, without every eye closed, without us playing through the church ritualism, if you're in this place, say, Pastor, I've got sin in my life, and I need to choose God today. That's what my life's all about. Robbing hell, populating heaven. That's what I live for. So you say, Pastor, i got some sin in my life. No one's judging. No one's calling you out. No one's pointing you out. It's all love. If you're in this room, say, Pastor, i got sin in my life. I need to get it out. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life or you just got into church today. If that's you in this place, lift your hands. Say, Pastor, that's me. One, two, three, four. Keep just going. This ain't going to hurt you. Oh, but God's gonna be mad. No, He's not. You know how heaven's rejoicing right now? Heaven is screaming right now. It is literally just launched into the biggest party it's ever had. God goes, That's my kids. They get it, they finally get it. It's about me and not them. Keep that hand up. That's me. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna live in sin, you might as well own it, right? You might as well own it. Hey, that's me. I got some junk. But I know the one that can remove it. So you understand what jesus just said to god i feel it jesus leaned over to god and said, hey dad it wasn't in vain it was for a purpose and it still works today like it did then the blood still has its power it still is redeeming and setting free god dad look look what's happening Pastor just opened, Brian just gave them an opportunity just to say, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And their hands, did not, they didn't even fight. They say, that's me! They finally realized that there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ. You've lifted your hand, you say, Pastor, that's me. Good, great. And normally at this point, I'd call the team down and say, let's, let's do an altar call, let's get you up here. And I believe in the altar, but this morning I'm gonna do it a little differently. This morning... I want you to understand that God is coming to you. Because by lifting your hands, you came to Him. Right where you're standing with your hand lifted, or when you lifted your hand, you created an altar right there. An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place where dead things die and life begins. So if you lifted your hand and you said, Pastor, that's me. i got to in my life. Will you do me a favor just right where you stand as a sign of surrender? Will you just lift both hands and say, Pastor, I'm just going to stand in this moment right now. Just lift both hands. This is the crazy part. God's not angry. You know, God is in love with this moment. Heaven is rejoicing. Angels are dancing. God's going, my kids are coming home. With your hands lifted, I want you to say this with me. Say, God, I choose you over me. Today, I give you all of my life. I am not who they said I would be. I am not the decisions that I've made. I am who you say I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Today, my life is no longer my own, it is laid on the potter's wheel. God, make your greatest masterpiece. Mold me, make me, shape me, do what only you can do. I choose you in Jesus' name. Look at me. Where has your sin gone now? I bet you can't find it. I bet you can't find that condemnation anymore. Not unless you go and ride it back in your car when you leave this room today. Because we just obliterated that thing. So now you have a choice. You're going to leave this building. You're going to go into your day. Choose today whom you will serve.